What's up, everybody? My name is Anasi Sajay, and welcome back to The Real Film Pod, a movie... Whoa, redo, redo. Okay, three, two. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real, a moving picture podcast where we give you everything that's going on in the movie and TV industry. My name is Honesty Tajay. And I'm Shaka Bimba. Yes, we have a lot to cover today. We're so excited to have you all listening and joining in on us. But let's first kick off with the little reminders we do every episode. If you do not already, make sure you follow us on all the socials at The Real Film Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you like our Facebook page. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rise Network, where we provide all of the content in relation to Rise Media. That is podcasts, dope visuals, and many more to come. Uh, Like I said, if you have not, follow us. Click that subscribe button. It's right there. Click the follow button. It's right there. Just go ahead and give us some love. And if there's some things that you want to see uh, covered on our podcast episodes, be sure to leave them below in the comment section. Shoot us a DM or shoot us an email if we have that tag below. But I'm ready to get into it. Are you? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So once again, starting off with the what's hot, it's a lot of things going on in the TV and film industry, specifically in black media. And we'll start off with something that's not necessarily, I guess, black media, but No Time to Die. No Time. You know, that's Felicia Rashad's daughter that's playing in No Time to Die. Oh, the main main black woman? Yes, that's Felicia Rashad's daughter. Oh, man, that's crazy. Is Felicia Rashad uh, related to Amar Rashad? Who is Amar Rashad? I have no idea. You know who Amar Rashad is? Nope. Hey, nope. shout out to the Chiefs, though, because he was a former NFL player. Patty Mahomes, we're back in here. We're talking about Lashana Lynch, if those who do not know. Lashana Lynch is the daughter of Felicia Rashad. I want to make sure I give her the right information. As once, once again, someone isn't prepared. Wow. Oh, I'm prepared. Why don't we just dive into what the movie is about? Nah, First nah, and nah. foremost... I'm trying to get background information, but okay, let's go ahead. So No Time to Die is another installment in the Bond series. Um, it is supposed to be coming out in 2020. It is an action thriller. And the premise is a recruited to res- recruited to rescue a kidnapped scientist, globetrotting spy. James Bond finds himself hot on the trail of a mysterious villain who's armed with a dangerous new technology. Sounds like similar premises from the other ones, but hey. No, 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 no. You know what to throw that shade. That's a, that's a James Bond movie. That's what we expect. <laughs> Comes <Every> out <laughs> November 20th, 2020. I wonder how that's going to go in theaters. You know, we're starting to get the slow roll in of movies hitting the theaters again, even during the pandemic. But it's uh, supposed to be an action thriller. It's sitting right now at two hours and 43 minutes. So be prepared to be sitting there for a while. Estimated budget. <laughs> estimated budget was 250 million so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes daniel craig is once again playing james bond we have Excellent. rami rami malik playing safin who is wow <laughs> who i'm assuming is the villain i'm actually really excited because you know that he's an excellent as excellent actor so is uh oscar isaac they're like two of my favorite um oscar actors isaac. who play in these type of films um leah sado and then lashana lynch who will play be playing Nomi. So yeah. And then you also got Naomi Harris coming back reprising her role in the Bond series. But Yo, I'm excited. Uh, who was that you just said? Oscar Isaac? Yeah, what's he been in? Oscar Isaac should have been in Ex Machina. What? <laughs> oh wait. What? Did I say his name wrong? 
Oscar no, Isaac. No, Oscar Isaac plays Nathan in Ex Machina. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Hey, shout out to Ralph Fiennes too. You didn't even say him. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about him. He's a. Uh, hey, have you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? I have not. I have not. Oh, you call I know it's a, a good fan, film. A I know it says the person who we did the test didn't have any of the list of movies watched under his belt. So don't what even test? try it. What test? We went back and forth. We went back and forth. Don't deny. We went back and forth. It was like, we did a list. It was like, did you see this movie? Did you see this well, movie? I should have said that. I didn't even see. Look, you just won that one instant. Too bad. Too bad. Still more too bad. Than you, bro. That's too bad. It's too bad. You lost. Are you, you going to tell the people I what all these characters have been in? Rami Malik, in case you didn't know. Rami Malik played in Mr. Robot. Daniel Craig plays another uh, n- a number of films like Lucky Boy. Then you have Lashana Lynch. She also played in a movie with Queen Latifah, which I also enjoyed. Um, I think Felicia Rosario was in that. But she played in uh, Captain Marvel. And she played in Fast Girls. And then she also played in a show called Still Starcrossed. Uh, did you even mention Anna de Armas? No. Oh, my God, dude. Go ahead. What's she playing? What What's she playing without looking at Google? It doesn't matter. It's Anna Exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> no, 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 no. Chill, 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 chill. I got to look it up. But she's been in some big stuff. She's like one of the main people. In the, you in the still movie. had to look it up. You still had to look it up. You couldn't even think about it. Bro, Blade Runner. You had to look that up. <laughs> I seen that though. Knives out. All that. Yeah, she played as, she played as the... Uh, the help, not the help, but the nurse and knives out. I'm pretty sure. Uh, she played one of the crazy chicks in Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. Side note, side note. Did you know that she's from Cuba? Who? Anna, Anna De Reeves? Her, her, they, her story's pretty crazy, bro. I'm not going to lie. I've looked it up several times. What's her story? <laughs> she like was like going to school there, and then she like got into like some kind of film club in school, and mm-hmm. like She's had a long journey, you know, of like getting out of Cuba because you can't just like leave Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people should look it up. I'm not have to go into detail like that. But she's dating uh, Ben Affleck. I'm pretty grossed up. Just saying. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait. Okay, that's either here or there. But yeah, the new James Bond movie is supposed to be coming out this year, you all. So make sure you tune into that. Um, are you a huge Bond though. friend? Are you a huge Bond fan? I'm not a huge Bond fan in the aspect of like I have friends that like know all the past Bond actors and have seen like all of them and stuff. I'll pick up where Daniel Craig comes in. I've seen all the ones he's been in, you know. So I'm a new newer guy in that. I don't say I'm not, I'm not a huge Bond fan. I'm a huge fan of mystery spy shows. I just I just gave misinformation, y'all. So uh, Condola Rashad is the daughter daughter of Felicia Rashad. Not Miss Lynch. Oh my God. Scratch that off the board. (laughs) Scratch that off the board. (laughs) They look very, if you look them up, they look low key similar though. This pot is crazy. We should be on here talking. (laughs) Look up Condola Rashad. Okay, they don't look alike, but I thought. I was going to say, bro. (laughs) Who's her dad? (laughs) When I I couldn't look up uh, Lashana Lynch's uh, parents, I was like, that's weird. I would assume they would just associate that with them automatically. Hey, she has a history of doing this. We need to hire an editor. So if anybody wants to come on and be a producer slash editor and fact check honesty as we record. Fact check honesty. More so fact check you. You be allowing me to take initiative. You be like, yeah, yeah. And then you come in with a little fun fact for the day on these projects. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm carrying this show show on my back. (laughs) What? You? 
Me. You might be a Scotty Pippen, but I'm definitely Jordan. Let's be honest. Who said that? I'm the proud father. Have you forgotten? Who said that? I'm LeBron James. Who said that? Everybody. They always hit me up. You try to be the pod father. Oh, my God, dude. All right. Anyway. But moving along. (laughs) Hey, I just want to say this real quick. This this film has a lot of great actors. Uh, We see LeBron films have done more to give the female characters, like, bigger roles yeah it took like seven movies but <sighs> look okay we're in different times now i i don't know those other guys but the people doing it now doing a good job of that what's her name again lashana lynch lashana lynch yeah like that's the bat- first time i've ever seen like two black women featured in a bond movie and she looks like a complete that- badass here the trailer was crazy bro and she then, does. like i said andy armis and they're shooting guns and doing her thing a guy, Rami Malik, already talked about him, but as a villain, that's going to be dope for him. He already has, yeah. like, a scary look. The eyes are just huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and dude can act his ass off. No lie. Yeah. And then my boy Ralph Fiennes, as I said, bro, he has a real quirky nature about him. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how he's moving in there. Mr. Mm-hmm. M, uh, mm-hmm. this is about to be a hit. It's going to be crazy. It's one of those films you go out and you expect an event. Go mm-hmm. out to get your drinks going, all that. Go in mm-hmm. to the theater, slap. And enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. But you know, I, I'm I will definitely see it. Will I go to see the theaters? Probably not. I'll probably see it when it hits like HBO or something like that. Hey, hey but, you want to tell the people about how we're gonna pod? We're gonna pod. We're talking about how I will not go to theaters. I'm just sitting in COVID. I what did I say yesterday? I don't want to fester in it. I said that yesterday too. What did she tell me yesterday off air? Uh, what did I say? Who are you talking to? First of all, who you talking? What did she tell me off there? Who are you talking to? <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> what? I all said right. that Tenant movie looks perspective enough to go see in theaters. But what did I say after that? I don't want to fester in no COVID. Okay, that's what I said. You can't fester in COVID. <laughs> yes, you can. Oh my God, are you a hypochondriac? I don't know. You know what that Loki, is? Loki don't even know what that is. Are you not college educated? What's hypochondriac? Spell it for me. Spell it for me, Shaka. H y p o c h o r. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying on the road, but I started getting the i n d e p e n d e n t. Do you? Are you not college educated? You gonna throw out a word? You don't know how to spell it. Goodbye. What? I'm the most educated. I'm like my boy Dr. Cornel West. Goodbye. <laughs> it's the home, yo. But no, nah, real. Like, uh, there's a few movies that's coming out. They also got that one movie where it's like New Mutant Mutants coming out or something like that. Yeah, it looks hard. Or, that looks super good, and they're actually gonna go ahead and put it on theaters, bro. I'm just so nervous to go sit in theaters with other folks who low-key don't believe in wearing masks. So they probably <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, the only time wearing a mask during this whole pandemic was to go to the movie. So, that's why I'm like, man, I don't know how I really would have fested with them folks. Well, have like, your hand sanitizer ready? People bro, I'm <laughs> spraying your getting the lights all sprayed, the chair down. Like, I am not playing. If I could pull up in a bubble, I would. You'll like, get some popcorn? Or does that have COVID no, in it, too? No, that's a no. We not eating in the theater. Have no. you ate fast food? Have I? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. You look like you're working McDonald's right the now. The difference between fast food at an actual like restaurant and then at the freaking movie theater in like the rural town. Like goodbye. That's completely different. Completely different. Um on the next was hot. We got Atlanta. So FX is giving us some news that seasons three and four 
of Atlanta are delayed. Once again, (laughs) due to the coronavirus. So FX Networks and FX Productions chairman John Landgraf said that Atlanta would return for its third season January 21, uh, 2021. But due to the pandemic, they're now uh, projecting it to be pushed for another year. You know what? At this point, cancel it. I'm over it. I'm over it. I don't even know what happened anymore. I would literally have to actively rewatch the show now from the beginning for me to feel like I can be connected to season Here's the thing. You don't because there's no through line. Look, like, it started off. We talked about this, bro. It started off so good with the whole, like, paper boy in the parking lot. Somebody gets shot. They're in jail. He's still trying to make it as a rapper. Earn's coming in to help, like, manage him. Watch time season two? I don't even know what's going on with that. It's more so just one-off social commentary show, which is dope. But, like, why couldn't they do both? Like, that's yeah. what makes a great show is when you're able to have, like, a, a dope plot, mm-hmm. but still tell us something about the world. Like, that's what, uh, like, I don't know, man. That's, that's what makes shows like Westworld great, bro, because it also talks about stuff. But it's just, like, a really good dope plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just feel like at this point, like a lot of people are not even like, I'm sure there are people, there will be people who will still want to watch the show. But at this point, like I can't be as invested into it anymore, you know? So I just feel like I know these folks is making deals and making booze, but it's like, y'all, I mean, if Tyler Perry can shoot a whole show in four days. <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Y'all can give me at least five episodes from a season and over the span of two, three years. Like, stop playing with me. Stop Dude, playing. The sad thing is, too, bro, it's like the level of talent on that show is incredibly high. Like, of course, Tyler's going to be an extremely talented person. Uh, who, what's the guy that plays Paperboy? You know his name? Uh, let me look him up. Well, he's super talented. Lakeith Stanfield is super talented. The director, like one of the main directors or whatever, and show creators. With His Charles name Gambino. is Brian Tyree Henry. Bro, he's amazing. He's a great actor. I remember yeah. in uh, Bill Street, that scene, yeah. stupid, yeah. stupid. Shout out to James Laxon and uh, Barry Jenkins, of course. But uh, Oh, he went to Morehouse, bro. Hey, it makes sense, man. He, he Morehouse and Yale. Vibes. He went to Yale? Yeah, I said Yale. That's crazy. Uh, but wow. then my boy, Hiro Morai, one of the main directors, one of my favorite directors, amazing music videos back in the day, too. It's like, bro, y'all could do something, like, incredible, like, one of the best shows, but you just settle for, like, really good. It annoys me. It definitely annoys me, too. I feel like at this point, it's just, I just feel like, you mean to tell me you couldn't have shot one season in the span of the three years that it's been, like... Has it been three years? It's been three years, bro. Oh, my God. Like, I think... Uh, let me give the correct facts, because I'm confident it's been three years since, since we've seen it, because we the first season do. came out in, like, 2016. Shh, don't play with me. Don't play with me. <laughs> but I feel like it's been... It's, long, it's been longer than it should be. I'll say that. Remember the first time I ever had a class with you, and I we got in an argument. It was you and Phil versus me, and I was saying Atlanta is, is kind of gassed. Y'all acted like it was the end of the world because I was saying that in front of these white people. It yeah. was intense. <laughs> we don't, we don't, we don't dismiss the, the black, you know, creatives in the presence of white folks. I'm just joking, y'all. We're joking. We're shout joking. Out, shout out, Miss Eichels, if you listen, Chelsea Eichels. <laughs> I know she listening. One, one of my favorite teachers, honestly. You know, I had you once, but it was definitely a dope class. Definitely had a really good class with her. No, Amazing okay, so class. the first season 
episode came out 2016 and then the second season came out the following year so yes it's been about two three years wow (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm saying like at this point in this span of of like a couple years there's no reason why y'all can't shoot a season like I understand y'all got your projects. You know, you had Childish Gambino for The Lion King, Brian Tyree Henry. He was playing in a number like Hotel Artemis, Bill Street Could Talk, all of that, you know? I understand. You know, that one chick was playing in Deadpool. I understand. But it's just you like... You that one chick? We're going to get into her too, right? We're going to get into her? Oh, yeah. Oh, so I was, just, I was looking Why at Brian... Why that like that? <laughs> I was looking at Brian Tyree Henry's like... Uh, education he got his master's from yale and then his bachelor's in my house yeah that's pretty crazy she um she played in and i don't know everybody's name i had to look up brian T- uh, tyree henry yeah, supposed to be the expert i thought she was supposed to be the expert you you said you michael michael jordan right you supposed to be the expert i'm scotty pippen because i got the crazy feel on the pod i understand where, her name where is zazzy beats ah oh, that's her name zazzy beats like i like her i like her name I remember what you that. told me about her what yeah i remember <laughs> i remember <laughs> why are you bringing that up <laughs> but she played a deadpool joker I just see how far are you willing to go i'm not see if you're really far. trying to pot or not or you just kind of pot are you gonna pot or not like stop playing what let's let's let's, let's deep not in the pot. let's not let's not okay well let's see let's see about that when we talk about our our real category okay oh uh, yeah i'm gonna set you straight <laughs> Y'all just want to let you know I fight for the people I fight for my brown <laughs> brothers and sisters I fight for my dark skinned brothers and sisters So just, just wait just That, that wait. implies that I'm the opposite That's disrespectful <laughs> <laughs> But like yeah they're all They were all doing something really good You know During the growth of Atlanta So I could see why they were trying to separate enough time to do that especially when you get into the realm of like the marvel movies so like deadpool i could understand and then you had a disney movie like the lion king but it's just like as of right now i could be super ignorant on this but what is something that you know of that they're they're playing in right now or that's gonna be major they just counting that money bro bro i just <laughs> feel like you got i just personally feel like you got like greats who were able to shoot three movies in a year not saying Mr. you should do jackson, that samuel samuel jackson you got denzel morgan Freeman, <laughs> the top of the top though. being able to shoot movie two movies a year three movies a year and make heck of bank you know so it's just like a show and a movie i think that could have been worked around does but it reflect th- on gambino's career in terms of like his music career and all that he kind of takes his time he takes a lot of time is the payoff worth it though? Is the payoff gonna be worth it for this? Dude, I don't you gotta keep the momentum. You do. And right now, people are wanting black stories. Like it is it is so profitable right now. So just like at this point, just cancel it. Just cancel it. Or give me a show with just paperboy. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't that would be dope, bro. A paperboy spinoff. Yeah, no. I, I do kind of want like a little like two episode spinoff with Cat Williams, the Gator Man or whatever. Yeah. Those are my favorite episodes. <laughs> but that that's how I personally feel about it. But moving along, you know, when it comes to Atlanta the show, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. She's I'm not good support on the black art. You see that? I'm, I'm good on the hype. You know, if it come out, come out, I'll watch it. But outside of that, I'm not I'm not anxiously looking for it. 
forward wow. to it no more. So it is what it is. But moving along to our next topic in the What's Hot category, that is The Boys. So Amazon series that is on Prime. You do a slow clap? Go ahead. Do your slow clap. <laughs> One of the best shows out right now. We got some big news surrounding this too. Anyways, continue. Uh, you, you done? You done? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I just, I just want to make sure. But The Boys Season 2 has come back. New episodes are preparing every Friday on the Prime video subscription from Amazon. First episode came out July 26, 2019 of the Season 1. The show follows superheroes are often as popular as celebrities, as influential as politicians, and sometimes even as revered as reared as gods that's when they're using their powers for good what happens when the heroes go rogue and start abusing their powers when it's the powerless it gets the super powerful the boys head out of the heroic quest to expose the truth about the seven in the vault the multi-billion dollar conglomerate that manages the superheroes and covers up their dirty secrets based on the comic book series of the same name you got carl urban playing billy butcher i think we talked about this already didn't we on the last part we briefly talked about it because it's in relation oh. to another topic. Oh, Anthony yeah. Starr played in Homeland, and then Jack Quay playing Huey Kim. Did we really talk about this? But um, a number of really heavy hitter actors. New season comes out every Friday, and I hear it's good. It's good. What? I mean, that's surprising because season one is fantastic. Amazing. Um, so it's that dark comedy, science fiction, thriller, action fiction type of film. So it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Um. What's the what's the news, Shaka? Enlighten them. Enlighten All right, our so audiences. we're about to add another episode to the slate. You know what I'm saying? Hold your applause. Hold your applause. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, so uh, every what do we say? We'll put out every Wednesday. We're mm-hmm. gonna have uh, another episode. Where we're gonna do uh, reviews of weekly shows. So mm-hmm. we're starting out. We're gonna start with Lovecraft Country, and we're gonna do The Boys as our two shows that we're gonna talk about every week. Heavy spoilers. Should we just kind of like a review show what we just saw, predictions mm-hmm. of what things happening next, mm-hmm. full breakdowns. And then we're also going to give you one movie on those episodes as well. And so, yeah, we talked about this. We so did a like, movie. This is a movie. I was under the understanding. No, no, no. Because when I say we oh, were like, we Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. basically we'll have those two shows we'll talk about, Heavy Spoilers. And then we'll talk about a movie from the past or recent past or whatever. We just like break it down, Heavy Spoilers, and just like appreciate that movie. So this is definitely an episode where you want to see, once again, the show or whatever. You want to be caught up before you watch the episode. So we can all, you know, I'm talking about, talk about, you know, what's going on. Heavy details, all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, Like I said, Lovecraft Country, The Boys, and then a movie. I don't know what movie we're doing first, but I want to pick movies that have, like, some kind of significance. You know? like Very true. Or some like metaphorish type, like how Mother was. It was about like Genesis and the Bible and stuff. Yeah, like movies like that people that. like look up on YouTube. Like, dang, what does that mean? What like, does what, this mean? <laughs> like, what does the ending mean? Like, Bro, the first movie we probably should talk about then is I'm thinking of ending things because what does that movie mean? <laughs> what that, does that movie mean? <laughs> oh, I've never seen so, that. I've never seen it. <laughs> it just came out, y'all. If you was like me. And you watched that movie thinking you was getting one thing, and then you got another. I know. I feel your pain. Because I'm really confused. His name is Char- Charlie Hoffman or something like that is behind it. Or Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman is behind it. And, like, I can't be surprised because he's made other really good projects, like Spotless Mind. He mm-hmm. created that. But it's just like, bro, I was left, like, really bad at my TV screen. Because I sat there for two hours 
only to still be co- co- confused. So that might be the first movie we talk about, you know? So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of good ones, man. A lot of but good yeah, ones. new new season of Boys. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you're following and you're catching the new episodes every Friday because we'll be giving you that in depth and be breaking down these episodes every Wednesday. So stay tuned with us. All right, moving along, we got our next hot category, and that is Regina King and Halle Berry's directorial debut. So starting off, we got Regina King. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But Regina King is having her directorial debut for a movie, a feature film called One Night in Miami. It's already expected to be an Oscars contender. We have a couple of artists who are playing notable members of our society, uh, powerful activists in our society like Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X and many others. You have several actors playing the roles. So Cassius Play is being played by Eli Gorey. You also have Malcolm X being played by Kinsley Benadir. Sam Cooke being played by Leslie Odom Jr. Hamilton. Jim Brown by Otis Hodge. He played in Clemency. Oh, first off, let's give let, let's give Otis Hodge his roses now. Boy, he's nice with it. Hey, he was in uh Every first time. time I seen him was in Leverage. Have you ever watched the TV show? Yes, love I used that to show. Love that show. Love that show. Bro, they should make a movie like one off, which is like the most yeah. complicated like uh, and wrap it up mission. low key. They could have wrapped it up with a movie, and then it would have a really good feature film. It was one uh, of those movies where it's like, what's that movie with the magicians and stuff? It's like the Christopher Nolan. Now, now you see it or see Oh, it. now you see me. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could have gotten something like that. Leverage the show could have gotten something. It would have like been that better than that, too. Probably. Probably. You know what? I might start watching that show again because I actually really enjoyed that show. But yeah. Elders Hodge, <laughs> sir, we thank you for your work. <laughs> thank you. Because Elders Hodge puts in the work every single time. I'm He's telling you, this, this man is in clemency underground led leverage he was also in the brian beck story every performance he executes so i'm looking forward to his performance as jim brown in one night miami so this film is mainly over the uh a night where all these you know industry members uh, on the night of february 1964 where they came together and they debate the best ways to use their respective stardom to affect change in the segregated south um also, furthermore, it says Malcolm X is struggling with Elijah Muhammad and his top brass at the Nation of Islam and checking the lamps of Hampton House for bugs and criticizing pop star Cook for getting to the white folks. So it's really just like all of these legends coming together one night in uh, 1964 and just kind of like breaking down their roles as active celebrities and entertainers in society and how they can be useful for the movement of black liberation. Um, I think Regina King is one a really great person to direct something like this. She did a standout performance in Bill Street Could Talk. You know, she's always doing a standout performance in, in acting and producing. So it's going to be really interesting to see her on the direct uh, director side for a feature film. She's definitely done some directing for series, you know, of various shows. But now it's going to be uh, really interesting to see her play a feature film that's of her own making. So the film uh, is show the Toronto or what is show? It shows somewhere. Didn't the film already like show at a festival somewhere? To, like, did really it show get... at festivals? Uh, let's see. I think it did show somewhere. Uh, hey, there's a snippet out though. If you guys want to look at it, it's um, I don't know who put it out, but if you type in "One Night in Miami," you could definitely see a little preview of it. It looks really good. I'm not sure about the festival. I just know it is considered already an Oscars contender. Um, it probably has been 
but anyway, it's considered an Oscars contender. Venice, uh, Venice. Venice, yeah, Film yeah. Festival, September 7, 2020. It'll be a Toronto International, September oh. 11, which is where the other film we're about to talk about is also going to be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon acquired it in July, yeah. So. Yep, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, like I said, Virginia King always does a standout role when it comes to her performance in films and TV series, executive producing and directing for series. So this will be the first time she's actually directing for a feature film of her own making. So I'm excited to see it. And she has a stellar cast. You know, we talked about Ben Adir in the previous episodes about him being a British actor and playing, you know, a notable black uh, activist, Malcolm X. And so it's going to be now we get to know how that's going to look like. You know, we're, we're, we're getting more information, you know, from trailers, from clips, and from um, synopsis in regards to the project. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, like I said, anything Regina King behind, I'm, I'm always a fan of. One but, more thing that's kind of dope is Tommy, or Tammy Riker, Riker is a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I mentioned that, too, is because, like, just from the snippet, it looks like the cinematography is going pretty crazy. And because it's, like, like, two or three locations. So you know, like, they're going to be really on point with just, like, the look of it. But uh, she did the old guard, which was really good, and uh, she became the first woman to win an American Society of Cinematographers Award, as well as the first woman nominated. Uh, she's invited to become a member of the Academy of Arts in 2005, so she's a pretty big deal in terms of like okay. cinematographers. So I definitely give her her roses too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, if those of you who don't know, uh, The Old Guard is also directed by a woman, the first woman to really, really direct a major film such as this. That's Gina Prince by the Wood. She's also the creator of Love and Basketball, if you did not know that. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. But moving along to another directorial debut for another actress, we got Halle Berry, and she is having a directorial debut for a MMA fighting uh, film, and that is called Bruised. So... Uh, is a part of the 2020 Toronto International Film Festival lineup. It's also got her starring as the main protagonist, and she's also going to be in the director's chair. So that's going to be interesting to see her not only serving as the actress, but the director for the project. You know, we've seen legends do that. Denzel Washington. So (laughs) I wonder how it's going to go for Halle Berry, but I guess the premise is that Berry will be playing – an MMA fighter by the name of Jackie Justice, who is a disgraced MMA fighter, MMA fighter who finds herself in a heated contest with an up-and-coming foe on the martial arts scene while grappling with a custody battle for her six-year-old son. Um, it also will be screened at the TIFF uh, Film Festival and a couple other lineups as well with uh, One Night in Miami. So, it's also dope to see her doing more like action type stuff. Not that she mm-hmm. has that in the past, but just coming off of the John Wick, where mm-hmm. she did her own stunts, even got injured on that set. Mm-hmm. Got injured and then on she this, one this one. Yeah. But not that it's about injury. It just kind of shows her commitment to it. So. Yeah. I read in one article, it said that she literally, you know, after she got injured, especially for Bruce, she literally was <laughs> getting up at 5 a.m. every morning just to start her day because she didn't want her injury to slow down the production or to make people think that she couldn't handle the duties of being the director for the project. So she got up every, even messed up physically, was getting up 5 a.m. every morning consistently. So yeah, yeah. that shows dedication right there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, she does a great job. I'll say this. Holly Berry can definitely do a great job 
in regards to diversity of roles. There's one movie she plays in was Frankie and Alice, and that's a woman who has like a split, split personality. She suffers from like a schizophrenia or bipolar disorder and all that. It's a really good movie. I think she was a producer for that. I don't think she got to necessarily direct it, but she was a producer for that, and she um, starred in it. So she definitely has a wide range of movies that she plays in, but I will agree this is probably like the first real set of movies that we're seeing where she's actually doing most of the martial arts because she participated in X-Men, but we don't necessarily see her doing too much of the martial arts or you know fighting elements that comes with action films. So John Wick and this will be very interesting to see. So... Yeah. Moving, moving along, moving along, we have Mara Becca Kiel inks a deal with Netflix to produce original content. Um, if you don't know who Mara Becca Kiel is, she is a Kansas City native filmmaker, producer, writer, so many other things, philanthropist who has who is behind the success of many shows that were mainly on the WB and on BET that includes Girlfriends, The Game, Being Mary Jane. She's also served behind as a writer or producer for Moesha. So a lot of notable projects. Um, they are noted, Netflix is noted saying, we are thrilled to welcome Mara Kill to Netflix. Her signature storytelling and authentic perspectives as captivating characters, long entertained audiences is proven to be relevant, timely, and endlessly engaging. We look forward to bringing her distinct voice, vision, and passion to our global members. Hey, I'm all for it. Like, I love this woman. This woman is a Kansas City native. Raytown South, stand up. <laughs> yeah, she, yes, Raytown South, stand up. Raytown South Middle School right here. But, you know, she's a Kansas City native, director, producer, writer, you know, definitely just, a, 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 or oralist. You know, she's really, really good at what she does. And I'm, I'm excited to see it. Netflix right now is just like trying to, get all these black creatives bro, to produce bro. original content <laughs> right now, you know, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Mara Bakakil. If I have, if I have the chance to have one of my requests granted, please bring back Love Is. Please bring it back. I need that show back in my life. You know, Love Is was a show um, on OWN Network, Oprah Winfrey's Network, and it was stellar. Season one was stellar, but unfortunately it got canceled after some allegations, some alleged allegations had came about um, to her husband, Salima Kill. And, you know, they, you know, Oprah don't play that. So, you know, any whiff of controversy or anything, acts, you know? So I'm, I'm interested to see it, see that. So, <sighs> you know, she's also behind Black Lightning with her husband, Salima Kill. If those is that, who don't know. Is, is Black Lightning good? Okay, I'll say this. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'll say this. So the stories, the stories itself is good. Sometimes the performances by some actors feel a little dramatic, just a little, just a little, but the story itself is good. I love the diversity in story. I love the diversity in cast. They got my, my main man in there from Love Is. I, I love him. He's also, and he actually got, I think got pulled from the show uh, Black Lightning to be Yasir in Love Is. So William Catlett, so if you don't know what Love Is, Love Is is a story that's loosely based off of Mara Baka Kill and Salima Kill, her husband's, you know, how they came about meeting each other, falling in love, and the trials of their relationship. So it says it's set in Los Angeles in 1990s. Love Is follows a young black couple, two people from opposite worlds, as they go through the trials and tribulations of chasing their dreams and learning how to follow their hearts. Nuri is a bubbly and, bubbly and has big dreams, but she is struggling to make a name for herself as a sitcom staff writer while juggling and stringing romances. 
Does that sound familiar? That's Mara Brock McHugh. Yasir is an aspiring director, writer who has a hit snag and is on and off again with his ex. Their program is told from the perspective of Nuri and Yasir present cells while they revisit the social issues and the vibrant Black culture that helps shape who they are today. Came out June 19, 2018. Final episode was August 21st, 2018. And was on the OWN Network. I mean, they were Salim McKeel and Marbach McKeel were the executive producers and creators. It's very unfortunate that the show got canceled. They had a lot of really good actors in the show, so maybe there's a possibility they could bring it back. Netflix does a really good job of like acquiring shows from other networks and you know shooting more episodes for them. So like Killing, all that Lucifer, they, they do a really good job of doing that. So I, I hope that is a possibility for Love Is. But let's shout out to her for bringing us Darren Davis and the PB and Jason. You know what that is? Yeah. What? It's from the game. All right. I was just checking. Making sure. I didn't I just mention that one of her shows? Don't blame me. Don't try to test me on Mara Barker Kill, bro. <laughs> this, is like, this is like one of the people I look up in the like, industry. Like her, Lena Waithe. You know, so they're like, out there for like, I aspire to be great filmmakers like them one day. You know? <laughs> No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So, but I'm excited uh, to see what projects that Marbrock and Kill is going to be bringing to Netflix. I feel like there needs to be a lot of diversity in the stories that Netflix tells. Hopefully, we can get a little diversity in the representation of the stories that they tell. So, I'm talking casting. So, Marl, please don't do us wrong. <laughs> please don't do us wrong. Where are they getting this money from? Because I'm pretty sure Netflix has been <laughs> in the negative every year. I don't know. I really don't know. You know, Netflix owns a lot of different stuff. You know, Netflix was behind uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. So Yeah, they're also behind you know, they're, Bright. We saw that went. Yeah, they're behind Bright, <laughs> Bright, Bright. Come on, that's that's a movie on the platform. Let's let's be 100. We're talking about Netflix has stuff of its streaming platform itself. They, that's you probably what? they have success. Bright was on their platform. That was already something that was on their platform. I'm talking about stuff that's not on, that wasn't initially on their platform. I always want to bring it over here, yeah, yeah, I feel you. Why won't you watch Lucifer? I'm good. All right. I care about my soul. I'm good. I should watch Haunting on Hill House. Anyways. I care about, I'm not about to watch something that simplifies, simplifies, like, is empathetic to the devil. Why? Why would I do that? Me being scared about a psychological thriller <laughs> versus, hey, I'm okay with the images of the devil being like a good person is completely different. So let's not even do that. I don't know why you bring that up because I explained that to you last night. But moving along, we got Tyra Perley shoots all of the Bruh series for BET Plus. 19 episodes in four days. Four oh, days. <laughs> 19 episodes shot in four days. Started September 3rd and wrapped shooting September 7th. <sighs> Maybe they had like 10 cameras. So like they just lived the scene out. And they got all the angles off it. <laughs> I'm sorry to the to the cast members and to the crew members. Um, I know that was probably a lot to deal with, especially during a global pandemic. You know, <laughs> we here at the real podcast sincerely apologize from the level of strain and work that you were reduced to during those four <laughs> days. Um, yeah. But no, Bruh is an American television comedy series created, written, executive produced, and directed by Tyler Perry. That premiered on May 7, 2020 on BET+. It is set to set in the same universe as Tyler Perry's other show, Sisters, which has special appearances from several different characters. First season had 12 episodes and was released May 7, 2020. We have a couple of actors, you know, some upcoming actors in the show, Philip Mullings Jr., Alyssa Gross, Sandra Curley, and Angela Marie Rigsby. Some of these names are probably already familiar to you if you've seen some of Tyler Perry's other projects. 
but ultimately four days, 19 episodes. <laughs> well, I heard stories different. about Tyler Perry shooting like the scene, right? And then like after they do like one take, he'll just walk off set. <laughs> He's like, like, yo, that's good. That's good. We're good. Um, here's All right. The, here's the thing. Tyler Perry is definitely one of the greatest people in the aspect of like playwriting and business. Yeah, because like he's going to be a billionaire or is a billionaire. Obviously, he built that crazy studio. Yep. Uh, I mean, he's in a lot, right? But mm-hmm. I think sometimes when it comes to like his like shows and like mm-hmm. uh, movies and stuff, it's mm-hmm. definitely the fast food approach, which is why other like directors and stuff have had problems with him in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, he definitely just is, like, an assembly line guy, which is probably why he's made so much money, because he's like, all right, look, get it out, get it out, get it out. People will eat up his stuff regardless. Mm-hmm. I told you, that he he knows there's a direct dem- demographic of people who want it. Older black women. So we talking women between the ages of 30, that 40. Really 40. 40 to, like, and up. He yeah. knows they like it. And then he, and white audiences. That That's who eat it up. It's white his- <laughs> audiences, white audiences, and forty and up black women. That's who love his show. And so, if we're talking assembly line, if you have a demographic of people who you know are consistent in regards to following and supporting your work, and this is what they want, pump it out. That's how he feels. I'm not saying you should do that, but that's probably how he feels. Just pump it out. You know, that's what they want. They feel like they're not reflected. They feel like they don't get the media that they want. I'm giving them something that they want. I'm getting something that they feel connected to, and that's that. That man said he wrote a whole season. <laughs> he posted the Instagram picture where he had like yeah. he wrote a whole season by himself on his laptop. No, not a whole season. He wrote several show seasons all by himself. <laughs> and uh, what was it? What was it? Ninety days? Yeah. Or was it thirty days? <laughs> Something crazy. I don't know. It was between like thirty to ninety days. Crazy. He was the only writer for all of it. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. <laughs> you said nineteen episodes in four days. How is that possible? Think about that. 19 episodes in four days. Okay. Yeah, bro. 19 episodes in four days? I cannot imagine doing that. Could not. <laughs> but I can't imagine shooting, what is it, writing, what? what is it, like five different shows in 90 days and all of their episodes by myself? Do they just go straight to production or is it like rewrites? Or <laughs> is it just like, all right, first time? You're in a booth freestyling. You like Lil Wayne. One take, Jake. I have no idea. I have no idea. But uh, I guess shout out to Tyler Perry for that. Yeah. yeah. But I did. One thing I will say, like I said, he's a good businessman, great playwright. In the article mm-hmm. I had looked up for the New York Post, he was doing a quarantine bubble to shoot this. So he was actually putting people through a rigorous and ruthless uh, like testing center before. So you... You are supposed to, there's a designated spot on the lot where you go, you get tested, and then you are supposed to go to your areas, and then you're locked in your areas until your tests come back. And then after that, if you're good, you start filming. If not, no. Um, And I think out of all that, only four people were tested positive out of 360 people um, on his production in the span of time. So out of the 51 days of quarantine, at least. So there you go. Shout out to Daniel House. NBA bubble got in trouble. He brought a girl to the hotel. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's what those four people were doing. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know why he brought that up, y'all. Um, League NBA pod, shameless plug. We gonna get down on you. We're gonna talk about our stuff, anyways. Uh, but moving along, it's <laughs> our last, what's hot, uh, 
and news. Woke. Woke is a new show that has hit Hulu and is created by Keith Knight. It follows Keith, an African-American cartoonist on the verge of mainstream success when an unsuspected event changes his life. I'm letting y'all know. It's a police brutality incident. Just let you know. With a fresh outlook on the world, Keith must navigate the new voices and ideas that confront and challenge him. Um, it's already sitting at 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It stars my man Lamorne Morris as Keith, Blake Anderson as Gunther, Shashir Zamata from SNL as Ayana, T. Murph as Clovis, Laura Goldie as Kirsten, and T. Murph. Oh, I said T. Murph again. But, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. His name is Winston, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all remember him on New Girl when he played the NBA player <laughs> overseas? Yo, is that racist? <laughs> Bro, I feel like, is, is this a joke? I feel like, is this a joke? Like, is it a joke because he's obviously short to play an international basketball player? But is it also a joke because they, it's always a stereotype that black people play basketball? Or they really just was trying to serve him as that? So. I don't, I don't know. I like the show. I'm going to be afraid of that. But anyways, uh, yeah, what you think about episode one? Chaka, you already know I didn't watch it. <laughs> you already know I didn't watch it. Stop playing. Wow, I thought you watched it. You already know I didn't watch it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm like, I have to have my, do- like, a cap on my amount of political commentaries about police brutality for a week. I already get I'll that shit this. from Lovecraft Country. I'm already getting in the media from Twitter. I gotta take I gotta take it with, with doses. You know, I can't be saturating my week with that shit. Like, it's I'll a lot. I'll say this. Shaka, the podfather himself, Michael Jordan, Shaq combo, you know. Watch the show for you guys, you know. I watched the first episode, so I can be well prepared for the show. Anyways, uh, <laughs> nah, it's not, it, it, I mean, it's political commentary and like, it's kind of talking about what's going on and everything, but it's like done in a way where I don't feel like it's beating you over the head. Like it's pretty funny. Um, just give you guys more about it. Like after like the police brutality incident, he starts living his life. Well, right, I'll backtrack. Did you already say he's like a cartoonist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like his cartoons are coming to life. So after the incident, it's like his road around him. He's like tripping. Like he's this guy that's always living in his bubble of thinking like, yeah, police brutality happens, all this happens, but that happens to them. I'm a good black guy, you know, like this doesn't happen to me. And so he becomes woke as a title. It's like everything around him starts to like talk to him. He starts to like get in tune with like what's really going on. And the way they do that though is pretty comical. And it's like, I don't know, his friends and everyone around him is really like, they, they lighten up the moment, you know what I'm saying? So I think they do it in a pretty clever way. I'm gonna continue to watch the show. I think it's definitely something you guys should check out. Uh, Instead of dramedy. Yeah, I would say, it's funny after we talk about New Girl. It's, it's kind of along the lines of like New Girl, but a little bit more black in terms of the humor. You know what I mean? But it's that kind of like, like, kind of like, everything's kind of like, you know, a pun. All right, there's a lot going on. Also, who's the dude from, uh, have you seen, what's the show with the three dudes? They work in the office. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty funny show. Uh, three guys and they work in an office. One that has like really long hair, curly hair. Uh, I just said his name. What's what shows is he on? The shows he's known for, the white dude, Blake Anderson, who plays Gunther. Yeah, I know what show you're talking about. He plays in Workaholics, bro. He's like, it's like if you just take him from that show and put him in this show in his apartment with two other black dudes, <laughs> it's kind of funny, bro. So, <laughs> he also played in Dope. So. Was he in Dope? Yeah, I remember him in Dope. He was a drug dealer. Well, he he's like, he's selling cocaine in this one. 
So <laughs> it works for them, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, mine is when I stopped with works was making the bankroll. So no, no doubt. Check it out, yo. Check it out. It's, it's actually good. like loosely based off. It's actually based off his really real life experience. The, really? The creator. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, or if what's he's not a create or I think it might be his real life experience. Keith Knight. Mm. Let me look up him, uh, make sure. But yeah, it's actually really based off his real life experience, Keith Knight. Um, so he, he, him, you know, having that faithful encounter with police. And then after that, just feeling like my work needs to be a reflection of real experiences that are happening. So, yeah, mm, I, I, I'll watch it. I'll watch an episode, I guess, today. And then we could talk a little bit more in depth about the future episodes. I'm going to take it with Grant because it's also one thing I want to know. It's not one of those shows on Hulu where a new episode comes out every week. Like all the episodes are already out there for season one. So Dude, one day we got to talk about what we're supposed to be like more. I feel like for certain shows, it works better to like actually like not put everything else out. Everything I, I don't think I low key like now that I've you know I've had different bunch of platforms that I have access to it, I think I actually like having stuff weekly. Yes, like, I like feeling excited about the episode coming out. I like the communion that comes with it, like you guys, everybody talking about it together and like deciphering stuff. I also like you know being able to pace myself with the content that I get. So I'll say this: woke is definitely a show that you want to binge though, like shows that are like comedies or something like that. It's like binge material. But shows that are like, you know, Lovecraft Country, uh, or Raised by Wolves, like, they're real, like, suspense or, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, please don't put it all at once. Like, make us talk about it. Let us really live mm-hmm. with it. But anyways, we can, we can, we can push on. Yeah. Well, that concludes our What's Hot category. Moving on to Keep It Real. So, we was going back and forth about this, y'all, today. Or last night. We, we, we definitely have some strong words specifically about our take and perspective i guess on this problem in the industry and that is typecasting specific looking actors who don't necessarily fit the roles and ultimately it boils down to colorism and pretty privilege you know shaka hates when i say that because he's like naturally actors need to be attractive whenever they're playing in a movie naturally for me it's definitely a thing (laughs) but i don't have to be attractive but i guess i can really just not even just dive into that too much but more so the colorism aspect of it and first off it's no shade to these actors but i feel like when we boil down no but to be honest when we boil down this issue in the industry it is to the fault of the studio execs the casting directors and to the actors who play these roles so let's give you some a couple examples we got like actors such as zoe kravitz we see Zoe Kravitz all the time playing in a number of different roles where other people, other actresses of color, black women who are different complexions than her could execute and maybe even execute even better. But Zoe Kravitz has the privilege of being a biracial woman who looks also biracial serving in these roles. Like I understand both her parents are mixed, but technically if you boil that out, she's still a biracial woman. So for example, Zoe Kravitz played in the Divergent series. If you actually read the books, if you actually like followed this the the trilogy of books or whatever, you knew that the character that Zoe Kravitz played, she was supposed to be a darker skinned character. Christina, she was supposed to be a darker skinned character with naturally curly hair. Zoe Kravitz doesn't look like that. I'm sorry. Same thing with Zendaya Coleman. 
We love Zendaya Coleman. She's growing. You know, she's definitely serving some really good performances lately, and shout out to her for that. But we understand that Zendaya Coleman, and she understands because she's talked about it too, she's constantly being the pick of the, of the lot in regards to Black actresses in Hollywood for an extensive amount of movies where there are darker-skinned characters or brown-skinned characters who can serve the role just as good, if not better. Um, I even sent, I sent that to you last night, and basically somebody was just like, "Why? I want China McClain to have the level of success that Zendaya does because China McClain, Zendaya, and they said, I want China McClain to have the level of success and opportunities that Zendaya Coleman and Amanda Stenberg get all the time. Because they literally, if you if you follow them, because these were the people I watched when I was a kid. If you follow them, they were literally on the same path in regards mm-hmm. to the opportunities they received. But we are clearly seeing one person's career being projected way further than the other. And we ultimately know it comes down to colorism and pretty privilege. They're both pretty girls, but what do we associate being pretty? Things that have a closer proximity to European standards of beauty. And Zendaya Coleman is a reflection of that. You know, China Ann McLean was in Daddy's Little Girls. She had her own show, Ant Farm on Disney. Just a number of projects that she pr- pr- uh, participated in. Zendaya Coleman was in Shake It Up. She had her little Disney X show that she was on. And then it went from Spider-Man Homecoming, The Greatest Showman, and Euphoria, and many other projects after. She's playing in the movie Done, Dune after. You know, that's coming out. We'll talk about that a little bit more next in our next podcast with Timothy uh, Shalomont or Timothy Lish, whatever. That's not the point. That's not the point. But ultimately, you're, we're clearly seeing a trajectory of careers for women who have a closer proximity to European standards of beauty, and that's not fair. And I feel like we need to place a responsibility on these actors, studios, and casting directors to not continue to petu- perpetuate these behaviors. It's not okay. And I feel like when you have actors who are constantly just accepting these roles, Tessa Thompson, Amanda Stenberg, Zanaya Coleman, it makes it incredibly hard for these other actors who are brown skin, dark skin, who don't look biracial to be able to get the shine and recognition they deserve. That's my take. Definitely. There's no way, I feel like if you're an objective person and you're really looking at the facts, there's no way you can disagree with that, right? Like, even it's not a thing that's just like new, right? Like even on Westworld with uh, Tessa Thompson, right? Who's mm-hmm. the other black actress on there? I know we talked about it. It's Sandy Newton. And um, how do they look? <laughs> very similar. I don't know if Danny Newton is like biracial or whatever, but it's not Danny even Danny Newton is biracial. Even the ones that aren't biracial. Like, I don't know if Holly Berry's biracial or not. Holly Berry's biracial. She is? She's biracial. Look, so I'm just saying, like, and look, she's the one that got, like, the big breaks early on and all that kind of stuff. Like, she's in a lot of stuff. Even uh, John Wick, right? They decided to have, like, a black woman on there. And she's not, biracial. There's no disrespect to biracial women, but it's just she, like yeah, it yeah. becomes the norm. So even if you look at Netflix, Netflix has also been criticized for their original content for movies and TV shows. If you look at the representation of black women on shows, they're all biracial or they're light skinned. You know, there's not it's not an accurate depiction of the life we live. Like I rarely see people who look like me. I really see like people who look like my younger sister who have darker complexions. And if you have constant images that it perpetuates a level of, oh, this is what acceptable and me looking like this, which is the opposite of that is not acceptable. So it creates a level of self-hate image, you know, distortion and so forth. 
That's how. Yeah, I feel. Definitely. That's why when you see movies like the, the Old Guard, right? When it's not a woman of lighter complexion. Kiki Cayenne. Like, it's like it becomes like a. You see that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where it shouldn't feel like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like yeah, it's definitely a thing. And like like honestly, it's not saying these actors or actresses Keep don't playing. deserve these roles because we just mm-hmm. talked about how Holly Berry killed her role. Uh, some of the other ones, I don't know, that. but uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's more just of like opportunity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what should be done about it? Like obviously, the, the studios deserve most of the blame mm-hmm. in terms of like not pushing for that. And a lot of times, I think the blame needs to be put more on like the directors, especially of movies with black directors and black producers. Mm-hmm. Like I think they get a pass sometimes just because we don't know their names, you mm-hmm. know. So they're mm-hmm. they're not in the public about that. And but one think, thing, oh, yeah. oh, continue. Sorry, continue. And so I think I think a I think we need to start uh, challenging them and asking more of them when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, but then b like the question becomes how much of the blame should we put on the actors? And that's where I think me and you have our disagreement when it comes to like what they should do in response to that. Yeah. What are you about to say? And I, I was just gonna say it's just kind of like. It's not really too much you have to do. It's just simply just looking and recruiting darker skin actors. Like great examples of people who do that is would be like Barry J- Barry Jenkins. He's a black filmmaker, writer, and look at all the movies he's done. He's has he has two movies that two feature films that he's done. Look at the cast. And like it's not even like a uh oh we need to have darker com- like complete actors or whatever. It's like he has a wide variety of people that looks like real people because in real life. Like, if you go to any community, right, like, black people will have a lot of different complexions and stuff, obviously, because we're not, like, what's the word? Where it's, like, it's a homin- black people have a diversity of complexions that's also deeply rooted in slavery. Yeah, you know, yeah. Our, 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 slave, our ancestors <laughs> being raped, being raped, hey, and then also mixed. mixing with other races, so white, indigenous, and so, so forth. Saying, if you go to, like, any black community, right, there's people of all different complexions and, like, different looks, right? So you look at, like, uh, Moonlight, right? There's a lot of different, like, variations people. of people. Or even, like, if Bill Street could talk, right? Like, you see a darker or, you know, middle tone family. Like, mm-hmm. that's not something we see that often, which made that film super dope. Side mm-hmm. note, I do like to shout cinematographers and stuff like that who know how to light people of darker complexion. Like, if you look at, uh, what's the show everybody likes us about set back in the day? Insecure. Not Set back in the day. Uh, back in the day. I think they're selling drugs. I have not seen. Oh, it. Snowfall. Snowfall. Snowfall, right? I watched the uh, Lux Lighting um, talk or lecture with mm-hmm. the director from that or a cinematographer from that, cinematographer from Bill Street, and just some other guys. And they talked mm-hmm. about how, like, a lot of times too, these uh, studios, these filmmakers, don't even know how to light people of darker complexion, and they make it harder than it has to be. So mm-hmm. it's Jeffrey, you... Jeffrey Greeley is behind, is a cinematographer for Snowfall. Yeah, and then Maddox is another prominent cinematographer on that show as well. He was the one that was on the talk. But, like, mm-hmm. they even talked about how, like, people of darker complexion, like, the challenges of lighting them, or not the challenges, some of the beauty of lighting them is, like, the colors you can pull off, stuff like that. Like, there's a lot of benefits, not just about, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say is, like... There's a lot of have- benefits of having people with darker skin tones or a wider range of skin yeah. tones being displayed. And also, you have to make the notations, like... The development of the cameras, the development of like photography was to was never f- in favor of dark skin. Yeah, never. Yeah. It was never. The development of it was for it to show and reflect and 
you know, be, be able to effectively execute paler white skin. So it's not, and now we living in the day and age where the technology is advanced. So there's way more opportunities for you to be able to light, you know, darker skin tones. So you can't use that as an excuse anymore. There's way more opportunities to be able to do makeup and hair for darker, uh, complected or, you know, melanated, you know, women. So that's um, just not, to bring that's that okay. back around, the reason I wanted to go into this is because I do think there's like this, <clears throat> like this, uh, complaint or like a excuse of like, the look of the film or something like that and the reason that's racist is because like we're proving right here is that like not only is like the technology at a point where it's not a problem like a lot of these directors and cinematographers about they don't even need crazy lighting like a lot of it's just like natural lighting they can pull it mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. it adds an extra element to your film you can have the purple coming out of people's skin tones and stuff like that so like mm-hmm. bro that excuse needs to be done with it's mm-hmm. it's it's literally bro just because you're trying to appease to white audiences mm-hmm. yep it's pretty and bad it's definitely is is definitely a lot more blame and criticism and you know being vocal of wanting different like being like hey you need to do better or we're not doing this it needs to be placed on the studios the directors the casting directors all of that but also part of that blame a good 30 percent of that also goes to the actresses so you know, these are examples. I told you about, you know, Zoe Kravitz playing Christina in Divergent, where clearly, if you read the book, her character looked nothing like Zoe Kravitz. Um, the Hate You Give, if you look at the whole cover of the book, she has dark skin. She has an afro. They put a wig on Amanda Stanberg. Like, come on, bro. Like, come on. Or Tessa Thompson constantly getting the trajectory of roles and shows when really, you know, there are other actresses who are just as talented or maybe even better to play in shows, like Westworld, like the representation of, like, and I think a good example is the representation of Westworld. So that show has a scarcity of Black representation already. And then you have the representation of the Black characters in the show and you have uh, the one male, he's like, he's already fair-skinned. You have Thandie Newton, she's biracial. Then you get Tessa Thompson in the new season and she's, you know, a fair skin too as well. So just kind of like, and I believe she is biracial as well. So just kind of like, where 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 do people who look like me and darker see themselves in On original BET. content? <laughs> and that's fucked up. That's messed up. That's messed up. The yeah. only time you see representations of darker skinned women is on Tyler Perry shows. Like what? Let's be 100. No, Tyler no Perry doubt. Show. Insecure and Tyler Perry shows. Like, that's what also makes Insecure so cool is because, like, there is diversity of complexions and ethnicities and stuff on that show. But, like, the main two representations of the, like, the main two characters, the protagonists on the show, are two best friends who are darker skinned, you know, Molly and Issa, you know? And the cinematography in that show is amazing. My thing, too, is, like, when we do see it, it's only in, like, dramas where it's meant to, like, cater 100% to Black people right mm-hmm. like look at marvel right well guardians of the galaxy is one of the biggest marvel films and like their diversity is represented by zoe saldana and zoe saldana and my boy batista shout out batista but like I mean, and zoe saldana don't identify as black just want to throw that out there y'all <laughs> but like look bro like it's like it's like the only time they give us that is if it's a film that's supposed to be for the black the, community. the black community and that's up that's messed up i want to see people who look like me are darker and and thor 
I want to see people <laughs> who are like me or darker in Deadpool. Because Zazie Beats is another example. You know, we have this badass black superhero, female superhero, and Zazie Beats plays. It's the stereotypical look, you know, very loose curled hair, brown, you know, uh, like lighter, you know, caramel skin or lighter, like fair skin, very petite, you know, like, and black women come in all shapes, sizes, and colors, and we're not seeing that. Then also, you talk about, you know, even stepping outside, maybe not too much in the colorism factor, is that, like I said, the pretty privilege. So, Michael B. Jordan, people want to just, you know, lay with Michael B. Jordan. I'm not saying he's not a great actor, but Michael B. Jordan has gotten a trajectory or roles when he has other, you know, counterparts or people in the industry who are just as great as him, if not better, in regards to performances and films, but they are not giving the same light or shine as Michael B. Jordan because of colorism and because of, you know, pretty privilege. And also, let's be 100, Michael B. Jordan has been criticized by multiple, multiple sides for allegedly only you know, dating non-black women. Oh and no, God. no, 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 hold on. There's no disrespect to that. No disrespect to that. But it's literally the fact that, like, what do we talk about? A lot of these roles, a lot of these films are the films where we see, you know, the Tessa Thompson's, the Michael B. Jordan, is because they have the idea it's, lar- it's going to be for a larger audience, a white audience. Mm-hmm. And so if you're putting people in these roles who already are closely associated to white people, there yeah. you have it. You have people, and closely associated is being biracial is having white counterparts is literally surrounding yourself with white partners and so forth and michael b jordan tessa thompson zoe kravitz amanda stenberg are examples of that you know it makes it harder for people like kiki lane or ashton sanders sometimes and lakeith stanfield or eldis hodge like come on What's crazy is that when you name these people, it's like you're gonna say one black woman and then three like black dudes in terms of like who are darker complexion. Like, like I feel like there is like a well, I don't think it's even exists for men as much. It's a like it's definitely an issue more so with women. Cause like Yeah, there's Kiki Lane, there's Tayana Paris, there's there's so many other women, so many other black women who are just like on the trajectory scale of being able to put in those performances. And then I get that shine. Also, I don't like how like even the James Bond movie. No, I was gonna say I'm gonna be 100 with you. Lashana Lynch, her playing in the James Bond movie is kind of like they already got Amy Harris and Amy Harris. I mean, she's darker skin, but she's brown skin. But to see Lashana Lynch, a dark skinned woman with a low cut fro, like what? You wouldn't expect that, you know? I I have two things about that because like here's here's the dilemma I face in my head when I think about this stuff. It's because at one hand. Like, I really, like, applaud the James Bond movie for doing that and, like, putting her, like, bro, James Bond is one of the biggest franchises in the history of franchises. Like, it's going to be seen all around the world. It's an action film. It's going to be seen in a lot of countries, different languages, all that. So it's super dope they did that. But at the same time, part of me feels like, man, when you do see a darker-skinned woman in these, like, action films and stuff, she's, like, has to be, like, a badass. Like, there's, she's never, like, the, like, the dainty character or, like, the, you know what I mean? Vulnerable. Like, like yeah. it never happens. She's never vulnerable. She's never super feminine. Like, it's it's always, like, a strong black woman. And I get it. Black like, women are strong. But here's the thing, though. Like, you don't always have to have the portrayal of a darker-skinned black woman as a strong black woman. Like, because, yeah. look, bro, they're humans, too. Like, there's different varieties of people. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But, I don't feel good talking bad about Zoe Saldana, though, because, like, 13-year-olds well, first, watching online. <laughs> first off, 
you know, <laughs> Zoe Saldana now identifies as Afro-Latina. I'll let her have that. But we're not going to dismiss the fact that Zoe Saldana literally played Nina Simone and they put fucking prosthetic <laughs> on her and darkened her skin. It's so makeup. bad, dude. Like, we're not going to dismiss that. So we're, it's, we're it's definitely really going to criticize her. We're going to criticize her. I was surprised you didn't say, uh, was, you didn't say uh, Rashida Jones. Rashida Jones. I don't think well, she gets those types of roles, though. You already know how I feel about Rashida Jones. I feel like Rashida Jones never plays as a role where she identifies, where she's clearly like a. But she's just not a mainstream actress at this point. She definitely think. plays in a lot of mainstream shows and. Nah, shows. she was on a lot of, like indie type stuff though. If you think she's about it, she also was on like Parks and Recreations. Like she's been on a number of projects. She's on the Black as Fuck show. Like yeah, Rashida Jones is somebody who really gets by on the fact that like her ethnicity and her complexion is ambiguous like she she's one of those actresses yeah. and that's not fair but do you think that the actresses should be turning down roles as a way of like yes yes that's, that's what me you really have Here, a this, is, this is what you should do because we we also have to wrap up but yeah. this is what you should be doing you should be turning down these roles and be like i don't believe i fit the description of this character here are some of my friends or professional industry professionals who I think will best serve this role. That's how you do it. I say you got to do it in every single role, but when you know in your spirit or you know in the description that this character does look nothing like you and I got to put on a prosthetic nose to look like the character, you should be in those moments moments saying, no, I don't think I am the best reflection of this, this character or this movie, but here are some actresses that I think will serve you with, Kiki Lane, Tiana Paris, so many other people. No, in that yeah, aspect, 100%. That. I'm talking more so in the aspect of, like, all right, Tessa Thompson, right? She's been on fire lately. Like, should she turn down some of these Westworld roles, which is, I mean, it's a pretty big role. It's like a career move right there. Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, some of these things where, like, if, if it was a darker-skinned woman in that role, like, that would be monumental, right? And at the same time, here's the thing. If she turns down a role, there's no, like, they might just fill it with white folks. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like she can't. But at least she advocated for her people. Like the fuck? Like I get that. I get that. I just think there's a I can't I can't take it with the motherfuckers who like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna fuck it up. I don't wanna (laughs) be one of those people. I I can't take it. You advocated. There are too many people that we've had in our society who are willing to say no, who are willing to say, I can't do this. This affects my morals and my values. I'm against this. And for y'all niggas to be scary. That's how I feel about it. And right now. Right now, it's 20 fucking 2020. We are living in a society where you being vocal and you advocating and you being in those rooms and saying no, or this isn't right, or we should be doing this and this gives you more brownie points. Like, why not do it? Why not do it? I just not, not fucking with it. No. I think it depends on your career trajectory and where you're at in your career. Tessa Thompson. I think Tessa Thompson is in a, a career trajectory right now to where she can definitely say yes and no to a couple. I of think, projects. I think, no, 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 no. I think now, because look, look. I think now she's at a point now where that would be really powerful and she's not missing on no chicken. Like, she's going to be straight, right? But I'm not going to say that, like, she should turn down, like, uh, what you going to call it? Creed, for example, right? Because that's, that's when she's on her come up. That's what I'm saying. That's the of her career. And then also, too, just kind of like, that's an example of something where there was a diversity in, in the film. I, mm, no. Not from because a woman. That's what I'm saying. From a woman's perspective. Woman. Not for women. For men, yeah, it's like what's his name? Wood Harris or whatever. It's like dudes in there. I don't think yeah. it's as big of a problem for men as it is women. And then there's also the other way around where like if there is a woman in it, right? 
I do think that a darker skinned woman like uh Lupita gets some roles too, where I don't think like a middle complected woman would get too. I do think there's Bro, a I'm sorry, I hate to say it, no disrespect to these actresses, but Lily is just like complete opposites at times whenever the roles and their roles are complete opposites. So yeah. Zendaya gets a euphoria, like I'm a troubled spirit. Yeah. And Lupita Nyong'o, no disrespect to you in your performance. But she's definitely but Lupita cold. Lupita <laughs> always gets roles where it's centered around African countries, African roles, slave roles, like stuff like that. Like there's clearly 12, think about it, Lupita Nyong'o, 12 years of slave, Black Panther, Queen of Cotway. Like it's it's very specific. Yeah. Zendaya gets I'm a troubled <laughs> spirit. I'm in a Marvel movie. I'm Peter Parker's love interest. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? The side notes, why I can't Lupita Nyong'o play the troubled spirit? Why can't, I mean, why can't they switch? No, yeah. they run away. Like there are light skinned Africans. Do you know that? <laughs> yes, there are. There are places. There there is a place. There is a North Africa for folks who do not know. Like, come on. Come on. It's, it's pretty crazy. Dude. But that's that's okay. our opinions and takes on this. Ultimately, it boils down to the fact that there is a troubling problem of typecasting specific looking women in the industry, more so women who have a closer proximity to the European standards of beauty and not giving shine and light to our browner skin, our darker skin sisters in the industry. And it's the responsibility of the actors. It is the responsibility of the casting directors. It is the responsibility of the directors and the studios to make that change. So that is where we stand. So that's how we keep it real. But moving along, we're going to talk about two movies real quick because we got to wrap up in like the next few minutes. But we got to talk about a couple of music movies, and that is Bloodshot. So that came out earlier this year. It starred Vin Diesel. Shaka has his opinion on a movie for a movie he did not watch. That's the stuff I'm talking about, y'all. He'll have his this opinion, negative opinion of a film he did not watch. And then five <laughs> minutes later, be like, oh, I watched it. It was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> That's my sound. Here and there. But the movie is called Bloodshot Stars Vin Diesel. It premiered uh, March 24th in 2020. It is after he and his wife are murdered, Marine Ray Garrison is res- resurrected by a team of scientists enhanced with a nanotechnology. He becomes a superhuman biotech killing machine, bloodshot. As Ray first trains with fellow super soldiers, he cannot recall anything from his former life. But when his memories flow back and he remembers the man that killed both him and his wife, he breaks out of the facility to get revenge, only to discover that there is more conspiracy than he thought. Now, in theaters, this movie wasn't too successful, unfortunately. But it did ca- come out at the time when the coronavirus really hit us. So folks was really mm-hmm. not going to the theaters. So the budget was $45 million. It made $37.3 million. But it literally came out right <laughs> when coronavirus happened. So honestly, I'm not one of those people who kind of like movies that are based off of video games too much. But this was actually really good, and I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's definitely worth a watch, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. It's on Prime but it's on Prime with the Star subscription. So if you're just not getting Prime, you can get the free trial. If you do have it, it is, if you don't have it, it is $8.99 a month to have the Star subscription to view this movie. But it's worth a watch. Ooh, Vin Diesel does a great job. That I'm just more so on the martial arts and the action sequences. That is dope to me. That's what I really like. Then the CGI, when they like falling down to the elevator, it's really good. And I'm one of those people who is not too much of a fan of stuff like that. I loved it. So moving along. Next I'm going to move along. We got a live hashtag alive. A Netflix original movie has came out. It is a 2020 South Korean zombie film directed by Cho Hyung. 
starring Yo An In and Park Shin Hai. And it's based off the 2019 script alone by Matt Naylor, who co-adapted this film with Cho. Um, the box office was $13.4 million. Uh, it's not too many details I can give you based off the project. Ultimately, the fact that it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie where old Jun Woo character is stuck in one apartment complex by himself. And then, you know, he's thinking he's the last person in the apartment. And then all of a sudden, Kim Yu Bin is in the next apartment complex. And it's just them fighting to survive during a zombie apocalypse. It's pretty dope. It's got a little bit more of a comedic element to it. So it's not full out horror thriller. It's definitely got more of a thriller uh, comedy, like a dark comedy type element, I feel like. It, I enjoyed uh, it. Is it English language? No, it is It is in Korean, but they automatically have voiceover, and that's in English. Um, mm -hmm. And then you can switch off if you want to. I listened to it with the voiceover, um, but I enjoyed it. It might be better to watch it with the actual subtitles. The subtitles. But it's one of Always do like, subtitles. I was multitasking while I was I watching you. it, I but you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed I it. It's definitely worth a watch if you have not seen it. But... Moving along to our last category of the day, uh, and that is, are you still watching Lovecraft Country? Uh, you might need to go, huh? Yeah. We got to break the sound. Yeah. I mean, we can still talk about it, technically. Uh, we'll give it a brief. Like I said, starting next week, we'll start giving you, like, the full breakdowns. But it's yeah. kind of like a, a, a catch-up. Like, first this is episodes, weren't, like, yeah. We'll do a brief one right now, but ultimately, Letitia, Letitia is always saving the day, low-key. <laughs> That's how you start. <laughs> bro, she's always low-key saving the day. Um, Letitia why? is uh, Journey Smollett's character? Yeah, J yeah, Letitia, Journey Smollett plays Letitia in the show. Also, I'm trying to think of how to break it down. So, first off, why did her sister mess with the devil? He the devil. He the I don't devil. know what's going on. I think we should start. Ruby, why'd you mess with the devil? Big things, though, like the whole deal with the, like, I remember we talked a long time ago. We were like, well, after the first episode, I don't know what else they're about to do because they already left the place. So the big thing now is just like the whole, like, all right, well, now the story's not over because now they're trying to get answers. And mm -hmm. that other white woman, which is now in. Christina. Yeah, she's in the uh, Chicago. I think Chicago. Uh, I think they're in Chicago. But she's where they're, they're back in their home, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the whole thing now is the main character, what's his name? Atticus. Atticus is trying to, like, get powers, get answers. He's trying mm -hmm. to fight back and get rid of her to save his family and everything. And he's, like, going to move down to Florida, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, we can go into all that. First thing, question for you, real quick, is is that dumb? Or should he, like, leave it alone? No, I think he should definitely get powers. I would <laughs> okay. get powers. <laughs> okay. I would get powers. Like, think about it. At least white, bigot. Folks got powers, and I am just a black man without. So you better work to get it. I would. I would. Se second question is: Do you do you think that he should be involving everyone else in it the way he is? No, no, I don't think so. But the Letitia did make a point. She was basically like, "It's not all this hasn't just happened to you. It's happened to all of oh, us. So we yeah. all have a stake into it. So that's where I kind of understand like they all have they all are just at risk. So they all should be able to discover what are some elements that are going to be able to save them and give them strength. During I think time. also too, what happened at the end of episode three where they kind of fought back against those spirits. 
I think they're at the point now where we just accept it. Like, all right, this is a spirit, a supernatural world. Like, things are going on around us. So either you get with it or you let it like overtake you. Like, they don't think they have a choice at this point. So it's mm-hmm. cool to see them going head first into it. It's mm-hmm. also dope to see his development with his dad is starting mm-hmm. to like turn up Montrose. But what the hell just happened at the end of episode four, bro? He cut the. <laughs> I was like, what? I don't know. I, I feel like he's. I don't know, bro. Like his his dad could be like turned out in the sense of like his dad is a spy now for them, or his dad maybe really just trying to protect them. You know, he doesn't want his son to keep going further, but he's stubborn. Atticus is stubborn in regards to finding the truth, discovering the truth, and powers to save them. But he slit the neck of the indigenous woman. I was like, whoa. And then, uh, uh, all right, before we get into more than that, do you think that what the white woman, like, what are her intentions? She's evil. She's evil. Straight up. The point blank period. She's evil. So if they give her what she wants, you don't think she'll just disappear? No. 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 Is she there will, a possibility? She'll wreak havoc. She might not wreak direct havoc on them, but she's going to wreak havoc in the sense on everybody as a whole. Do you get what I'm saying? So where it's like, Instead of just wreaking havoc on this little community in the neighborhood, she's going to wreak havoc on the neighborhood. So it's just kind of like she's trying to stop herself as the most powerful like wizard. So the white dude comes back. He's messing with Journey's sister. They're having sex. Yeah, uh, but for, and I think for Christina, for her character. Christina, like, I need you to get the information. He's like, what do I got to do? Sleep with her. Atticus's dad slipped the throat of the one woman. Yeah. Are all the three of these things tied together? Is she pulling strings? Like here? They got to be. They got some, and the dude had the devil on his chest. I was like, yeah. what the hell? Why did she not notice that? Like, <laughs> I would have been like, oh, Jesus. Like, automatically. <laughs> automatically. But, but uh, that's, that's not, honestly, I was just kind of like, they would make the dark-skinned black woman, dark-skinned heavyset black woman desperate. Like, they just would do that. So, I, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming from the very beginning. So, and she's mad at her sister, so why not? And she, and honestly, I'm getting the vibe. She's going to be mad and just kind of be like one of those where like, we're not family anymore. So <laughs> I can do what I want. That's literally what I'm going to get. But. Yo, why are they trying to make the dad gay? What's he might be gay. That? If he is gay, he might be gay. I was like, is there like a plot line they're trying to do with that? Because I'm thinking, is there something happening behind the shop? But maybe he is gay or maybe he isn't. But maybe that's where they're meeting up. The dude was like, I seen what's name getting cool with. Like, what's the point of bringing that up if there's no more? His dad might be gay because you have to think about it. This is in the South. So, like, homosexuality was not a good thing. And then that could also have been the cause of the relationship. His mom and his dad not having a good relationship. So, it just might give us more background on the character. I wonder if that's tied into, like, the fact that that's not his real dad. That could also be a fact. That could also be a fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like there's more to that than just, like, doing that one-off. I don't know. That's it. That's it for the Real Film Podcast. We thank you all for joining us today. We appreciate you, you know, sticking with us through our topics. Keep it real in the queue. And are you still watching? And what's hot? But if you want to see more content, be sure to leave comments below. DM us. Shoot us a message. Email us. Leave a telegraph in the sky if you got to do that. Um, We thank you. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe to the Rise Network for future content from not only the Real Film Podcast, but the League and other visual content. Make sure you follow us on all the socials at the Real Film Pod. Like our Facebook page. And we thank you for joining us today. My name is Auntie Tajay. Shaka Bimbo. I need to shave next time if I come on the pod or something. Yes, you do. But that's neither here or there. We thank you guys and we appreciate you. Bye. See you. Shout out Patty Mahomes. <laughs> All right.
All right, peace. I'm already late to class.